Welcome to the 90th Minute Whistle Podcast. I'm Mario, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Leon. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I think I covered all the all the time zones. Uh, two very underwhelming tournaments. The players are tired. It is to be expected. I think really? so, yes. They, went, they came off of a... For most of the Copa players are playing in Europe. Most of the Euros players are playing in Europe. Well, the best Copa players are playing in Europe. And the best yes. and but Copa even the, and funny thing is... The but Copa, even the, the domestic players Copa players are still, are still playing. playing. Their season is going on. Yeah, their season exactly. is still going on. So. so it's not as if there was any rest or break period for, for either set of players. Yeah, but still, usually the tournament, or even in that case, that the yes, but are I think it's it would usually lead of... to more. It would usually lead to more goals, more mistakes, a bit more exciting football. But what we've seen is, we've seen nobody wants to lose type of football from, for the most part, in both tournaments. Granted, South America's tournaments is a bit more open mm-hmm. in certain matches, but those are matches that you expect. The, the doors to be blown open. Um, Brazil and Ecuador's match today should not have been that tight. In my appearance. Ecuador didn't start their best three forwards. They only started Eno Valencia. I don't know what happened to Caicedo and um, also what's my guy named Martinez. Um, uh, from T. I get that. So, <clears throat> and Brazil dropped them entire starting and. It shouldn't have. Uh, I shouldn't have ended one on. Brazil, Brazil still played better, but both teams were missing players, and you know usually that would be a more open affair. Uh, Paraguay beat Chile, um, which pushed them mm-hmm. to second place in their group. That's good. Ah, uh, yeah, because you know you're uh, underwhelming. The underwhelming Chile team. Um, Paraguay has been playing well. Um, recent results states that they are they're like it's very hard. Like earlier, you said it's very hard to call both competitions, and I think I think what was needed was a break from I think the players, the managers, the coaches, everybody needed a break from both of these tournaments. Especially European players, you just finish a uh, 40 50 game a season, season, right? And now you're playing in the Euros, and then within preseason starts next week, Wednesday. And most of these players will be two weeks, but two weeks vacation before starting back again. The only thing yeah. is that <clears throat> they, they have summer off because. The World Cup is in December, but that just means that the domestic season is going to be pushed back. And that's my next thing. That's my next thing. Um, are we a hundred percent sure that this World Cup will be in December? It is in December, one hundred percent confirmed. Um, if you if you play football manager, you will know that when it comes around to December twenty twenty two, our leagues are suspended and the World Cup plays and then we go back to league football after the World Cup. The tournament will last between December and January 
And by the end of January, I think the tournament ends. But it is in December of next year. So there's no football in the summer. But right, I think what I thought they were going to do is kind of um, find a, a sweet spot in August, September. Um, no, there is no sweet spot. It's Qatar. It's the fucking desert. What sweet spot are you talking about? I know. I know. But the thing is, it starts to get cooler in the desert around that time. In the night, yes. No, no, no. Even during the day, like when it comes on to like, yeah, late August, I, early September, it starts to cool. That's why I said like late August, September would be a good time to have that tournament if you're trying to balance it between having it cool enough for the players to play there while Yeah, but not, again, while well, they're while expecting 37, the they're expecting 37 to 42, 45 degrees. So the safest bet is in winter. No, I, I know the safest bet is So in basically what is happening but, is an extended so, so, winter break. For all the leagues. Yeah, but what I was saying is that um, I thought they would have tried to find a balance between let's nope, not... Nope. It, December. Let's start, they just went straight to December. Let's start the leagues at the end of September. Like, let's say... I think the, the NBA, leagues are starting example, earlier. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me use an example. The NBA starts in October. Late October, yeah. like midway through October. Midway to late mm-hmm. October. And they end in... Um, my apologies. They end in. They end at the end of June. Or well, early July. But you get my point. Now, of course, the football season would. I, I thought they would have followed that way. Where, all right, yeah. September, October, like late October or midway through October, the league would start. If I remember correctly, with discussions with the, the respective leagues. It was easier to do it in winter as an extended winter break than try to do it in September around that time. So it's basically a winter break that is. I know the plan was happening. always for winter, but I thought they would have. Yeah, tried. so nah, they just went with winter. Basically, I so thought the they players just, have summer. I thought off. they would have used fall. I thought they would have used fall. Let it be a fall World Cup at the end of fall, which is about like Halloween time. The league start back, and they run through December and finish. Now they, now they decided that it's easier because remember, most of the leagues are already suspended in December anyway. It's only the Premier League that it wasn't that isn't really suspended, in where December, yeah. bulk of the players will be coming from the top five leagues in Europe, and. Four out of those top five, not even four out of those top fives, a lot of the leagues in Europe are suspended in the winter period anyway. Well, well on a break. Yeah, they're on a break. They're on a winter break. So it fits in. So it's basically an extended winter break that will be happening. I think for certain certain teams or certain, certain leagues, they, they, they won't be impacted as much because they won't have that much players missing from most teams. Or they won't but, have matches to play either way. <clears throat> but I do, like for, like, for instance, the championship, right? I think mm. in the championship, we we'll probably go ahead because teams probably missing one or two players the most. Um, looking at the Premier League now, you're probably seeing teams missing six, seven players. Sorry, 13, 14 players per, per team. Like Chelsea has like what 15 players at the Euros? 
and you can expect to see more. We're talking the top six, right? Yeah, from the top six, but the, the top six can't play football, so the league is going to be suspended. No, but it's I remember the Premier League already has a winter break schedule already. No, what I'm saying is, um, you said that um, most of the teams in R, you said that all no, 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 the top teams will be missing like 14, 15 players each. And some mid-table teams are missing probably four or five players, three players. So, so they did so. I think the players are very tired. I don't. I think. I think. I think with COVID and then cramming project restart, and then cramming in as a preseason, and then cramming in a full football season, the players are tired. They are, remember, this year should have been their rest year. This should have been the year that every player would have gotten a long vacation. No Copa, no Africa Cup of Nations, no Euros. All this would have been the year. Yes, so this would have been the year where all of the players then would just be on the beach relaxing from Well, no, no, May. no. Kankakaf, Kankakaf and Africa would have players um, in summer. Yeah, and but the Kankakaf, have, the Kankakaf thing... Yeah, but Kankakov and Afghan finishes very quickly. Yeah, it's a, it's a one month term. So by the time May, by the time June finish, right, the players are already on a, they're coming back the latest, the third week of July. So they still get a one month vacation. Well, the second week of July. Like the, third, the tournament usually starts. Third week, that's um, what I said, the third week. There's a third one, the third week of July, because I remember... I remember every time you have like Afghan going on, you normally if if it's held in the summer, not not in January, no, players normally. January. I think it's only. Did, didn't they move it to summer? Yeah, Algeria was the first time. The, the one at Algeria won last last time was one. Yeah, of the first that was in the summer. And but again, it's usually the entire, it's usually the entire month of July. Yeah, and Kankakov is super fast. Kankakov doesn't take long to finish. Because so it doesn't... Teams. Yeah, it's like... And, and, and we have our disrupt. qualifiers. Our qualifiers... It's actually mostly qualifiers. Like, it's mostly World Cup qualifiers that Kankakov plays at, at this time. I wouldn't... Well, yeah, true. Well, not 100%. <laughs> it depends on the year. Not, not 100 Like, if you're not... Like, Gold Cup and that is not going yeah, on. If, if Gold Cup is not mostly there, World yeah. Cup qualifiers we play. And if it's the Gold Cup, it's, it's over in a month. Yeah. So the players still have ample time to rest and have and it would have given Asia time to start your tournament in the, in the summer. Exactly. So you'd have... You'd have... All right, so... Because I remember... A lot of the federations were saying, let's all put our tournaments in, in the, the summer. summer period. But that's why, to me, it's all right. That's why when the Copa America Centenary was held in the same year as the, the Euros, yeah. was when they were lining up the tournaments. So you had, yes. you had, you had the Euros being played at the same time as the um, team year. The... the Copa America, and then the following summer, you have all three other confederations while um, keeping their tournaments in the summer. So you'd have Asia, the Asia um, Cup, the Gold Cup, and the African Cup of Nations all in one summer. Exactly, because what the, what the federations are trying to do is to put breaks in between major tournaments so players actually have vacation time. 
Because let's be honest, when was the last time Chelsea or Barcelona had a preseason where all their players were available on the 1st of July? Let's think about it. When was the last time he had a full preseason? You want to know when? The year before the Euros. I wouldn't say that for for, for Barca. um, The year before was Euros. 2016 Euros. 2015. No, because Barca had to get um, Copa America play that year. Yeah, but how many players were gone for Copa from from Uh, Barca? Um, let me see. Mascherano was still there at the time. Messi. Suarez. Um, was it? Suarez. Messi. Neymar. Neymar. That's it. Um, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This was the 2015 Barca squad, right? Yes. Um, Year before the Euros. So it was the summer of 2015. They just come off a terrible winning campaign. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember if we still had Adriano at the time. One of our I'm trying to remember if we still had him. Because but to see, it's was... probably four or five players. And remember, Copa finishes Copa finishes faster than Euros. Yeah, it's a one-one tournament. So, so and remember, Messi, Suarez, Neymar all showed up for preseason. Um, no, they actually took at time the same off. time. No, well, yeah, they at the did same took time, time off. off. But they not with the rest of the squad. Not with the rest yeah, of the squad. Within, but they yeah, no, it was a week after. It was a week after. No, like... But that is still not bad. Two weeks, like oh, two yes, weeks two weeks. Yes, two weeks. But again, that's still not bad because you're still in July. The team, the team, the teams haven't even started... The teams don't normally start touring yet until third week of July, around yeah. there. But it's still a preseason. You're not showing up in August when the season is about to start. Because of the Euros, teams will be showing up in August. So I feel the quality of the football is a bit on the downside because the players are tired. They're fatigued, mental and physical fatigue. Right now, what you're seeing is the teams that have the better depth and are using that depth who are able to rest key players and keep them going. So yes, the like, quality of football so might it's not like be like Italy bringing on Pessina and, and exactly countless like amount of, of players. I remember right, they so still for, have the five sub rules. Yeah, which I thought would have actually made it much easier for this for these tournaments to look more. It exciting. was, and and and, the, and it. I know it's not about exciting. I think it's about resting players and keeping players fit, keeping players fresh. Yeah, it's more about. It's not about, I think, it's more about keeping players fresh than making changes or making tactical changes at this moment in time. At this moment in time, managers aren't looking to be, aren't looking at subs to make, like they still make subs to change the flow of a game, but now you're seeing a lot of like-for-like substitutions being made. Just for fresh In the Euros, in the Euros. Yes, in the Euros, yes. No, the Copa is a bit different because, again, majority of the Copa players, them just come off a vacation, then this then season start. They're already in the middle um, no, of their season. No, they're in the middle of their season. They, they didn't come off. Exactly. So, even, so because they're in the middle of their season, it's more normal for them. 
So they because wouldn't the be flow. suffering they're much as flow. fatigue. They're in the flow. They're in the flow. And they're in the flow. What, what you're probably seeing is a, probably a drop-off in quality, if you want to call it that, or maybe... No, I'm talking, no, no, what you're saying, no, no, Best no, no. of their see, ability. All right, let me be more specific. What you're saying is correct for the top five teams in the pool, mm-hmm. to be clear. What is happening to the teams in Europe, for the Euros, is happening to mm-hmm. Brazil, Argentina. Chile look a shadow of themselves, and Uruguay look like, like, them legs not under them. Again, that's the same. Most of these players are coming off of a 40-50 game a season, domestic season that they just finished. Cavani and Suarez are dragging themselves um, and they're unable to create because, like I said, um, they look leggy and their midfielders, um, Torreira, Benton, for Vecino just came off of a title-winning season with Inter where he was basically um, Antonio Conte's favourite substitute. Any midfield change he makes, it's Vecino coming out. Um, they look leggy and they're box-to-box midfielders. These are the high-energy midfielders that um, are supposed to run for, for 90 minutes or more. So Federico, um, Federico from, from Real Madrid. And Vico is just a short name for Valverde. So Valverde looks leggy as like everybody looks leggy in playing in Europe. And the players who are playing in their domestic league still play at a certain quality, but it's not at the quality that you'd want to see when playing the Copa America. You still want to see the big players shine. And Neymar obviously likes to play for Brazil more than he plays for his clubs. And I respect him for that in a sense because. The match against um, what was that? Colombia. The match against Colombia. Granted, it was against Colombia. Mm-hmm. We know the heated rivalry that was too well. But to see Neymar running back and defending the way he did is different. I saw a completely different Neymar. No diving, no, no theatrics, just dribbling past people, fighting for every position. I saw a different Neymar playing for Brazil. And being that he got injured in like the first match of the last tournament, like a lot of people don't count that tournament in his trophy game. So even though it is still technically in the trophy tournament because he's a part of that squad, couldn't play any other matches because of injury, he was still... People like Brazilians and, and the media still don't count it as... They count it as they want it without Neymar. They don't see it as, okay, Neymar was, was still a part of the title in this world. So you think he has a point to prove in this? Oh, no, no, no. He's playing with a point to prove. I think he's already the leading goal scorer. Um, I think... This is a thing that, you know, sometimes you ask yourself, and I'm not a player, so I don't understand how players feel. But I guess they will say to themselves that, did I really win the tournament? Exactly. Was I really a part of it? You know, like, yeah, you, you collected a medal, but did you just collect that medal because you're a part of the squad? Or did you make some contribution 
towards yeah, well, in a um, situation like Neymar where you could not contribute, it was out of your fourth country. Like somebody literally yeah. injured you in a match. But wait, wasn't there one that they won with him though? No. Don't they have two? Doesn't he have two copas? No. He won a confederation cup as a starter. He won the Olympic as a starter. He won the I'm missing somebody. Because he's it's only the World Cup alone, he doesn't have his trophy cabinet, even though people don't count the Copa America that they won last year. Or the last Copa America that was played. Um it was Confederations Cup when they beat Spain 3-1. He was a star of that tournament. Olympics mm-hmm. with him and Luan. He was the star of that tournament as well. Scored the final penalty, final goal. I am missing a tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Olympics. Yeah, and he was a, he was a member of the Copa squad. Because you have to remember, Chile won two in a row before the last, before the one that Brazil won. And before that, it was Uruguay and Paraguay or Venezuela did interrupt in one of those. Paraguay or Venezuela. There was a year where every team, every big team played like shit through it and got knocked out early. There was a year like that. And I think it was Paraguay and somebody else. Paraguay and somebody else played for the, for the title. And then before that, it was the Uruguay uh, golden generation with Diego Forlan, Diego Golden, Diego Lugano, Suarez and Cavani as wingers back then because back then it was Suarez on the left, Cavani on the right, and they would switch wings. Actually, that front three was moving across each other because Diego Forlan would stand still there. So you had him, you had guys like Walter Gargano, um, Angel Gome, um, I'm sorry, Angel Gonzalez, the Pereira brothers on the wings are as fullbacks, and of course, Martin Caceres was at Juventus at the time. So, and then before that, that Uruguay won, then the old Brazilian teams who used to beat up Argentina for the Copa America. So, your Robinhos, your Kakas, um, those teams won it back then. Because Brazil had like a, a two in a row run where they beat Argentina in the final. Mm-hmm. But Messi was not a key player at the time. Like, he was a key player, for, he was a, he was, um, he wasn't a key player for one of them, and then the following year he was a key. He was like this was supposed to be his coming out party, but then of course the Brazil squad still won. Neymar still wasn't a part of that squad, yet. Um, even though it could have been. You remember like how um, Neymar could have been brought to the 2010 World Cup? Yeah. But um, still, him and Ronaldinho were both left off. Um, the Copa, that second Copa America that Argentina lost to Brazil in a row, I think he could have been brought, but not necessarily. He would have been just a young guy on the squad. But yeah, this Copa America uh, has been underwhelming, I wouldn't say in terms of competition, but like goal scoring. There hasn't been a lot of like creating chances that lead to goals. It's been, this is the most physical, passionate Copa I've seen in a while, where everybody's giving everything. But the chances that are being created, and the goals are, I would not like, the Euros have had more spectacular goals. The Copa has had more consistent amount of goals. 
So the, the Copa to me are leading in the amount of goals scored, but like on a, on a regular basis, like consistently, because of course the Euros will have a match for five years, a scoreline, but it wasn't a spectacular five. But like in terms of Yarmolenko's goal, Patrick Schick's goal, there is yet to be a goal. Um, there's only one goal at the Copa America so far that can that can compete with them, and I still don't think it's as good as those. And it's the bicycle kick by Luis Diaz from FC Porto for Colombia against Brazil. And again, it's been underwhelming. And I think everybody expected a much better Euros overall. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, Germany and even even the matches that were goals were scored a lot, it still didn't seem like you're seeing two world class teams play each other. The Dutch weren't at their best, but that 3 2 against Ukraine, it didn't seem like there were two world class teams. There were moments of brilliance, but it, it didn't seem like, okay, I'm watching two world class teams play. It seemed like I was watching a water down Portugal, a water down Germany just battle it. It didn't seem like yeah, but, two powerhouses attacking. Yeah, but the see the problem is <laughs> Germany is going through a transition. So are Portugal in our thing. True, but one has CR7. <laughs> but all jokes aside. Both teams are going through a transition. Germany is in a transition. Germany doesn't have an identity right now. We are lost. We don't know what we want. The, the brightest spark is Havertz, but we, if I told you that Havertz would be Germany's brightest spark, would you be surprised? No. Um, not necessarily, no. Okay, then. So, are we... We still have... We have, a, we have an aging cruise. God bless his soul. One of the best midfielders of his generation. But... Is this the crews that walked the midfield in 2010 and then showed the world how a midfield should be controlled in 2014? No, that's not the same crews. He's old, he's fragile, his legs are going. Granted, he can still pass about better than anybody else out there, bar magic. They're the same level in passing wise, I guess. Um, Sane. I think they're burning, yeah. There's a difference between being more successful as a footballer and being more. I'm um, just I'm team. just fucking with you. I, I wouldn't say De Bruyne's a better passer of the ball. Um, I, I, I can't I can't I can't agree with that. I think he's slightly Who's controls the like, midfield uh, better than De Bruyne? No, 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 no. That's that, that's due to that's just due to experience, but come on. Even when Cruz was young. No, but Debron will reach that level. Um, then again, Debron was always an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. Cruz is yes, always a central. Exactly. But Cruz is a... Cruz is your maestro, your peer, your shabby alonsos. Yes. He's the one that you... Him and Madrid control the flow of a game. De Bruyne's passing is more to break teams down and get ball to the striker. While Cruz passing, he does that as well. But his passing is to dictate the flow of a game. 
And he's doing that perfect for Germany. And he has Gunnigan beside him as a partner as well. No, like, but let's look, when you look at these squads, like, you say you feel France has an extra gear to go. And I do believe that as well. Because the French team is the most balanced team in the Euros. If, if Ronald Koeman didn't lead the Netherlands team, they would have been a high favourite. Luis Enrique Spain team is okay, but they lack goal scorers. Another transition. Another transition. So another team going through a transition as well. Um, the Czech Republic has always been a good team. Poland has always been a good team. Sweden always been a good team. Denmark has always been a good team. Um, Switzerland always been a good team. Wales, okay, recent times. England has always been disappointing. Always, but, always have the most talent and disappointment. And disappoint, so it's difficult. The, the Spurs of international football, that, that's what I call them. So, but when you... Yeah, I get all podcasts no problem. <laughs> I, I, I call it as I see it. And England fans will also agree. They've always disappointed. They always I... get your hopes up to disappoint. Iceland in 2016. Um, who did they lose to in 2014 in the World Cup when they got their ass knocked out? No Germany, no Germany. Oh, 2014, 2014. Yeah, 2014. Um, what are they going to 2014? Did they come out of the group series? I don't even think they did. 2018 World Cup, they got beaten by... They only played two good teams and they lost to those two good teams. Belgium and Croatia. Exactly. And if I mean, you go further back... If you go further back down, 2010, they lost to Germany 4-0. 2006, repeat the same things. So... England has always been underwhelming in international tournaments. So it's not as if they... I'm not, not, um, I'm not calling them out, per se. Playing schools as a left wing, retired. left midfield. Like, to the point where he retired from international. So it's not that I'm throwing shade on anybody's team, but no, historically... England, English like fans will say it. English fans will tell you that they've always been, they've always disappointed. Portugal, yeah, you guys always had a good crop of players, but let's be honest, until CR7 came along, y'all weren't really doing much on the international scene anyway. Well, not really. They've been getting close. I would say that they, they were always getting close. Always the, the bridesmaid, but never the bride. It's the same thing in Netherlands. Always the yeah. bridesmaid, never the bride. The and difference they've in, is... And they've lived in their colonies, shut up. Exactly. The difference is Portugal became the bride. And nobody and nobody can take that away from them. They became the bride. They won. Now you can never take that away from them. The, so one they that they turned... have won, the one that they should have won, they lost to Greece. The yeah, the one that, that they, they shouldn't have won, they won. The That's how football works, isn't it? That they shouldn't even have gone to the bride. Exactly. They should have they should, well, not they should have been knocked out in the group stage. But that's how football works. At the end of the day, you can't take away that medal from them. No. Belgium, another one. Can you? Can the golden generation deliver? Again, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Granted, their luck of the draw has been awful for them to always lose to an eventual winner. That's really not been their that, story. That, not just that, but their, their path going up to the finals. Yes, always they've always had the hardest paths to finals. So, you know, like, and the Belgium team right now, they're coming, they're at their end, basically. They're coming to the end of their, their prime. A lot of those key players, granted, 
he then, Debrian Bose has had injury field this season. Lukaku was poor today, but hit or miss sometimes. Martens is getting up in age. Carrasco ain't getting no younger. Munir is not getting any younger either. Otherwise, well, um, Dead Dunker, Denaya. Um, well, then Duncan, then Duncan until now. Yeah, then Duncan, yeah. Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Witzel. Witzel. Again, they these guys calling, are getting no they younger. They stop calling. They, they stop calling Fellaini no younger man. Exactly. But again, those guys aren't. Those guys are old. You have you have Tillman's partner in Witzley midfield, but who else is coming through the pipeline? Yeah, for Thorgan has. Oh no 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 no. These are three four years. Yeah, no, these are three years behind him, brother. Well, four. Around four. Four. So he's again, around 26, at... 27 now. So the golden generation, the stars of the squad, are hitting their 30s now. And you have to ask yourself, you know, can they deliver one title? Hmm? And in all are... fairness, in all fairness, if they get past Italy, I don't see anybody stopping them. Right? They but the problem is they have how Hazard and Debra might not even get to play against Italy. Yeah, because injuries. Exactly. So, that's so again, that's the thing. I think they have the depth, but again, Endonka and, and Tillmans in midfield, I think, should start. And then you bring on Witzel for sure of things in the next match. But funnily, they've performed better with Witzel Tillmans in the feet. In the no, midfield. I don't, I don't, dis- I don't disagree, but here's why. So, I, why I, because Endonka started. No, but here's why I choose that. Here's why I choose that. Is because yeah. um, you want that young legs high energy for the majority of Italy first half. I would bring on Witzel like second half for add back energy and to shore up things and add back experience. But for the first for so, the first like sixty minutes, like for the first sixty minutes, just to keep mm-hmm. that Italian energy, just to match that Italian energy, I would start yeah. in Duncan Tillman. The best just part to, about it just is to that it. Carrasco and Mertens will press hard and will work hard. Regardless yeah. of what's happening, which is probably going to be them and Lukaku starting Friday, and you're probably bringing De Bruyne or Hazard off the bench. So, but when you look at these teams, you know, it's not exciting in terms of goals being scored, but a lot of teams are just grinding out results right now. And I think, I think it is what it is. I think we just have to accept that there's going to be some years where the caliber of football will not be to the levels that we probably want. But at the end, of it, it is what it is sometimes. And players won't, players won't be able to put out their best, especially what they've been through for the past season and a half now with COVID and then this last footballing season. So I think the World Cup will probably benefit better from being in December. Because at least the players won't be burnt out before the end of it. But I do see a lot of teams being completely pissed if a player picks up an injury. Because they have another, they have a full half of a season to play. Well, just to show you how um, bad this tournament, these two tournaments have been, I don't see any real talking points to really talk about. So uh, that's where we'll end it for today. And... uh, um, you have any other football news? Makashima and Love won in Japan 4 0, by the way. Top of the well, I won't say top of the table clash, but it was an important match and surprising 4 0 victory. 
and we'll, we'll, we'll meet a team that we should meet for. We should meet them like 1 0, maybe 2 1, not 2 mm-hmm. And the Brazilian league today was good. Fluminense were one of the best teams in the league played. Uh, who was it? Corinthians and the match ended in a 1 1 draw. I was watching it and the Portuguese Belgium match at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know, like it's been very underwhelming, so there's no real talking points I can I can give. And then with a lot of the players leaving the Brazil League for their national teams and the Argentine League for their national teams and some the Mexican League, the quality of the leagues are dropping as well. So right now, if you're watching Brazilian football, if you're not watching Flamengo, um, Atletico Mineiro, Fluminense, or Bragatino, which is um, which is the Leipzig team, which is a team that Leipzig bought. If you're not watching those teams, in all fairness, even the South American leagues I wanted to cover are kind of getting hard to watch because um, the best players from from um, the Brazilian leagues they play for for. for so you can, like I said, you yeah, put yourself that you don't know. This is why you probably find football generated things to talk about because I think the most things you can talk about is the fatigue that players are under because players are playing more. Yeah, more but it's not like, yeah, but the matches haven't been like. Good enough for us to like go, go into in depth exactly detail. because why? Because, like I said, all of these things plays a factor into why you won't see much exciting matches, and it's because you no, can even see ta- that a lot like of players. Can, we, no, but we can barely even talk about tactical, like, yeah, but, like, tactical, like, yeah, but really... tact- let's be honest, let, let's be honest, you never actually look to at international football for, ta- for tactical analysis. No, it's very some... rare that you can. You can watch a football team and an I international football with, team and, this, and talk that, tactics. I disagree that we can talk tactics with international football because I can talk about how Brazil has changed their playing style under Tita this um, for the past year, um, trying to be more a physical team and a ball playing team. But even then, I don't have much to talk about because I have a hundred different results for sure. You are Manab is super exciting much for sure. You. Exactly. Or to break down and show why the tactics work so well. I mean, the Chile Argentina match was basically, I'm not going to lose to you. And it just became a it just became a fight, you know, it just became a physical match. And I think that match ended in a sometimes, sometimes I think that's what I think. I think this is what football is going through right now. And I think because international football tournaments normally pick up where the club seasons end and the club, this domestic football club season wasn't all that exciting, to be honest. Exactly. But what I'm saying is even the last Euros, the last Euros was still, and, and the last Euros and the last Copa um, America, not the last Copa America, but the last Euros and the Copa America centenary. We were mm-hmm. sitting at work watching it on our phones. We shouldn't have our phones. That's how much we wanted to see what was going to happen. And it was exciting. But remember, those domestic seasons was actually exciting. 
they were exciting seasons. So it's not it's not as if we we have not watched. Well, it's funny. Like sometimes you probably ask yourself. I think right now football is in a lull, and it's in it's it's on a decline right now. Maybe that decline, decline, but it's in a state where. We've we're seen trans- these patches before. Yeah, like we're transitioning to an era, another because, era. Uh, another era yeah, exactly. Sorry. We need to remember that we've been in the previous era for more than a decade. The era led by the two greats of the football. Of football. And we, we have come to that era and we're now seeing the flag being picked up by the younger generation. And that younger generation so, hasn't really been given a chance to see us. Exactly. So um, it's your team. first match. Exactly. In playing first match on his way out. So you, when you look at these teams, you see a mix of players who are in their prime, coming out of their prime, and youngsters who have not even half ready yet to touch their prime. So a lot of teams in international football are transitioning. So just as a lot of clubs are in a transitional period, a lot of teams are now in a transitional period as well. So we just have to, I think this is the first time that we are of this age that we are able to now understand and to witness a transition from the Messi-Ronaldo era. Because when these guys took over the baton, we were very, very young, we were kids. I will never really understand what's happening. Now we are grown adults and we understand what's happening. And now we can say that, okay, we're seeing the transition. I knew what was happening. Remember, I know we were in the Ronaldinho era. Yes, but did we fully comprehend what a transitional football period is? Yeah. The first one we, I went through was Ronaldinho to Messi. Yeah, but the Ronaldinho to Messi was a smooth, seamless transition. I wouldn't say Because that. you were excited to see the new kid on the block. Yeah, but it wasn't a smooth transition for Barca overall. It's not like they were... No, yes, like but were, come um, on. You were like... And we saw what my... 11, was. 12 at that no, time? earlier than that. Earlier than that. Exactly, so... Because remember, Ronaldinho's era... You weren't of the same classes. maturity as you are now. No, Back then, you but, were just excited to see. So a lot, a lot of the things did not hit home, basically, if you're what you're trying to see. You remember they say that when you're young, you're fool, and the older you get, the more wisdom you acquire, but the more depressed your life becomes? Yeah, but in our appearance... ignorance is bliss? Yeah, but in our appearance, we still saw that transition, meaning that we've been through a transition where we've seen a team change out. Like, we've seen an era change out. Remember that Luis Figo was still playing at a high level when we were when we were watching when we were carrying. We were, we were, we were That's watching. true. Deco was still a great player. We still have world class player when I was being brought And we saw that I saw Deco transition from world class player at Barca, Chelsea substitute, Brazilian league. But of course, we still do understand it. Like we understand it now. Of course, that that's that's no there's no denying that. Plus, you should also remember that at the time we were also playing football. 
last week. It was the last time. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that kick about with your friends. I do that every week. Well, every other week. And I can't, I can't, I can't every week. I can't every weekend get up that early. Start six thirty in the morning. But no, that's all I have. Because then, because. If we get up that early, I got to play ball till like eight o'clock and then my kickboxing. Which again, like you have certain weeks so we can manage that and you have certain weeks so we can But 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 even the football, like but even the football that I was playing back then was more than that, was more than just playing football with friends. At that age, I was still trying to make um, school teams, um, club teams in Jamaica at the youth level. So, yes, the football was even still different. All right, we're going for too long of a tangent now. Um, no, let's see if have anything else to talk about. No, like I said, this has been a, these two tournaments have been underwhelming. And I miss all of the Japanese. I've been watching highlights of the Japanese league because I missed the matches this morning. Yeah. So I've only been watching highlights. So I guess that's, that's us. Um, we'll have the Live Sports podcast. Um, that's podcast is starting back as well. Uh, we're at the NBA. As a matter of fact, I think Monday night, Monday night after we find out if the Suns, if the Suns beat the Clippers Monday night, mm-hmm. they go through to the West, to the to the NBA finals. And the Atlanta Hawks and Milwaukee game should have started by now, I think, for recording while it's going on now. And mm-hmm. that, that series seemed like it might go seven. Well, let's see how, like, you see, I'm even bringing other sports podcasts to Funky. So, um, that's it on the 90th minute. The Hawks are currently leading 29 to 25 to the Bucks. Um, 21 seconds left in the first first quarter. All right, well, like I said, that's it on the 90th minute or so. Um, join us again soon. 